What I want to talk to you about is how to increase your emotional capacity. Emotional capacity, okay? And so I'll just get that out right away. I know we're all preachers and, and stuff. And so I, I want to speak to you about something that I'm kind of currently learning more than I'm living. Um, and so I'll just be honest about that. And uh, I just think that for pastors uh, and ministry leaders, um, unhealthy emotions, in my experience, in my observation, have been one of the top killers of um, literally churches and leaders. Uh, unhealthy emotions. I, I got to witness, uh, you know, not witness, but I got to be close to somebody who took his own life in ministry. Um, and uh, even just a couple of weeks ago, um, another guy that he was a worship leader when I was in school um, and, uh, and a pastor of a really successful church. And he just he just took his life. And I, I know I'm kind of going to the dark side really quick, but it's in, this is relevant. Emotional capacity. Let me define it for you real quickly, okay? Emotional capacity is our ability to handle things like adversity, failure, uh, criticism. Adversity, failure, criticism, change, pressure in a positive way. Emotional capacity is our ability to be able to handle adversity, failure, criticism, change, we had a lot of change in 2020 and pressure in a positive, positive way. And this year has delivered that, has it not? Yeah. Lots of pressure, lots of challenges, lots of failure. Um, you know, it's been crazy. My mom always told me I would never accomplish anything by lying in bed all day, but look at me now. You know, I'm changing the world. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> everybody's just staying in bed all day, you know, and... Nobody wanted to get up, you know? So the truth is, crisis is an incredible exaggerator. And, and so we find out, like Pastor Jonathan said, we find out who we are, and we also find out where we are in this, in this journey uh, from these experiences. And so because 2020 was so nuts with all the things mentioned, racial tensions, COVID fear, economy, elections, you know, what do they call it now, the... Uh, election virus or election infection and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's got all these lines now for this stuff. Um, but in a nutshell, everything that is bad is up. You know, everything is bad is up. Um, you know, divorce is up. Suicide is up. Depression is up. Uh, sickness seemingly is up. All these spikes way beyond COVID. That's why by the way, can we all just admit that the church is essential and until they put locks and keys on the hospitals, I'm not closing my church again. I don't know about you guys. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Like, I am so convinced over the last seven months that the church is essential. It's not even funny. They, they, it just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it again. Anyway, as a result of these kind of things, I am, you are concerned about emotional capacity because we're experiencing more stress and strain than we used to. And I wish I had a whiteboard right now, but it'd take too long to get it. But like, just put this in the side because we can talk about this maybe in our, in our table talk. But Four, I would call them COVID bombs to your church, okay? I think they were there before, but they're magnified now. So some of the reason people aren't coming to your church is, number one, apathy. Number two, bad habits. Number three, COVID. And number four, social issues, okay? All of those uh, are reasons people are, like, checked out. We've... People have been swallowed up by COVID, not just pastors. 
in terms of emotion. I'm just talking, people have been swallowed up. And so I consider myself an emotionally stable person, but I, I was blindsided in 2020 and a bunch of different things. And so are you. I guarantee you, all of you guys had some stories, you know, leader changes and, you know, family issues and, you know, maybe ministry, finances hurting, business hurting. I don't know, all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, and, 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 and what happens is like the disciples when they're in the boat, they're like, we all think, Jesus, we're going to drown, we're going to drown. And we all have that, you know, we think the worst during times of crisis. And so we need a better emotional response to these difficult times that come because we're going to have to run with horses because things are going to get worse because we're in the age of sorrows and it's about to get into crazy, right? And, and so how do we build strong emotions? I've said for years that I might be a physical adult, but I'm an emotional infant, <laughs> you know, and, and that's not a good testimony. We have to be able to grow emotionally as leaders. And so a metaphor that I just like to highlight quickly is the metaphor of a house, the metaphor of a house and how a house is constructed, I think is similar to how a life should be constructed. And a human being, in a sense, is the same way, is built the same way as, or a healthy human being, a healthy human emotions is built the same way as a, as a, as a, as a, as a house. In Matthew 17, Matthew 17, Matthew 7, I think this, it reveals how we should build our life in a way that will last. You know this verse. It says, Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Let's all say that. Puts them into practice. All right, that's so key, right? How many, we're content rich, aren't we? I mean, we hear, we hear more podcasts. Man, if we could just live half of, or a fraction of what we, we've learned in COVID, you know, it'd be amazing. But anyway, puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house. Keyword house. House on the rock. So COVID came, social issues came, you know, economy issues came, the streams, the rains, the winds, all blew against the house, but it did not fall because it had a foundation. It had a foundation on the rock. So when we build a house, there's a foundation, number one. There's kind of three components in a house. There's a foundation, there's a structure, and you could say whatever you want for this one, the decorations. There's a foundation, there's a structure, and then there's the decorations, the beautifications of the home. And so I want to give you those three things and kind of break those down a little bit. Is everybody with me? Okay, and this is stuff, honestly, I think you should do with your staff. Just steal this, rip this. I'll send it in the mail to you, whatever. But the foundation of a healthy, um, a healthy life is our relationships and our connectedness. So a lot of times we say relationships, but I like to add connectedness. The foundation of every human being is relational connectedness. You're only as strong as your relational connectedness. I like to say your relationships are your emotional safety net you need to build an emotional safety net and it is it is directly and proportionate to your relational connectedness you know and uh, we used to have this phrase in counseling if you want to have a place where you can say anything so you can find everything in other words you can't find the solutions to all the crazy if you don't have a place where you can say anything where there's just that emotional safety Net there. Is everybody with me right now? So from the beginning of the pandemic till now, I have hated the social distancing aspect of it, to be honest with you. We've all had to manage the tension. We've all had to navigate that. Because everything inside of me and everything I see in the word, and you see it too, says, you know, it's so important for things to grow, for things to be healthy. You know, for a baby to live, it has to be touched. From trees to people, 
There, there, there has to be intimacy for things in order to grow. Our IQ drops 30 points when we're in isolation. We, we get stupid. We just get stupid in isolation, right? And, and, and people have done stupid things. So our connectedness is what is grounding us. One of the six core disciplines of the faith, Hebrews 6, it, it has been grossly neglected during this COVID epidemic, pandemic, and that is the laying on of hands. It's an elementary of the faith. Where does that come in anymore? And so I believe we can be near people in proximity to people and they can mark, we, we can be marked by their lives. But I also think that there needs to be, you know, this, this strong connectedness. And I'm believing God that we're going to be able to do that more and do that better. And so we're trying to model and, and message how to do that even, even here today. So, so that's the first one. You got to connect. You absolutely have to connect with people. You got to connect with God. Another one is connect with God. Obviously, you know this, but when I say connect with God, I mean, if, let me put it like this way. A litmus test that you're connecting with God is you getting fresh words from God. Like, I love, my, my wife and I went to college together, and then we'd be separated in the summer back in the day, and we didn't have cell phones. We had, we had mail. We had letters, you know, and, and I loved getting a letter from my wife. I still, this is sappy, and I'm, sad, I'm proud to say, though, I still have my wife's letters from college. I say, I say, come on, come on, Anthony over there. Be with me on this one. See, now all the happily marrieds, you, you raise your hands. Anyway, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, but it was nothing like seeing my wife in person, right? There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no way to compare to that. And so I think a lot of us, we need that fresh word. So to have emotional capacity, we need to be hearing him again. And that's one of the things that I've been praying. I've been like, God, I can tell maybe I'm not as emotionally healthy as I need to be because I'm not experiencing the fresh words of God that I, that I once was. That's, what, that's how you can know if, if you've been taxed or you've been stretched or you've been attacked in that area. And so, I mean, if you think about Elijah who battled as great of things as he did. And many of you guys have done some incredible things in the economy of God. Amazing stuff. But then you can experience some super lows. And if, it was, if, if we were all getting one-to-one -one and getting real and getting transparent, you've experienced those lows, just like, just like Elijah. Elijah experienced tremendous depression such that he wanted to what? He wanted to kill himself. He wanted to, to, die. He wanted to die after he, doing all the things that he did. How was he restored? He, well, first of all, he actually he got healthy physically first. So a lot of times we're trying to get right spiritually but we're not okay physically. So the first thing he did, you know, was he, he got some food. I, I have the spiritual gift of eating. Does anybody have that spiritual gift? Okay. So he, he was physically strengthened. The next thing he did was he met with God. So I, I'm talking, everybody needs to connect with God, but you also got to take care of your body. You got to take care of what's going on in your physical life. So he strengthened himself physically. He did the things he needed to do. I could do a whole seminar on that. He met with God and then he served kings after that. But that was the order. But prior to that, study it on another time, but he did six things wrong that got him into a place where he was depressed. And a lot of it had to do with just disconnecting from God and disconnecting from God's people. And I think we got to be really intentional pastors in this season that we're in right now in history in our relational connectedness. This, you know, I pray, I pray, I, you know, I walk through this building just praying because it's so hard to get this many senior leaders in one room. It's, a, it's an act of Congress for you. To, this is a miracle. Just look around. It's a miracle to have this many senior leaders in one room because everything in hell wants to keep you from being connected with other pastors, which we need so badly, you know? 
And so that's the, first, that's the first point. Second point is this structure. So there's a foundation, there's the structure. Structure has to do with your purpose and your routines. Purpose and routines. These all increase emotional capacity. So the frame of the house is purpose and routines. Purpose defines your life. Structure and routines help you live it out. Purpose defines your life. Structure and routines helps you live it out. Structure, in a sense, uh, calms your, your crazy brain. I don't know. If you're a senior leader in this room, your brain probably goes 100 miles an hour, and it's really hard for you to shut it off. And when you can't calm your brain, you make more mistakes. Ecclesiastes says calmness lays great errors to rest, to rest. So what do I do? I have to remind myself of my calling. That's what I had to do during COVID a bunch of times. I wish I could talk more about this, but I call it the once upon a time moment. I have to go back. Nobody's coming to church. I don't even know. I remember thinking, I don't even know how many people are in my church. I was here in January. Now I don't know where the H-E double hockey sticks I am as a pastor. I don't, I, I, I don't even know if people are serving Jesus anymore. It looks like that person's divorced. I, I don't even know, you know, what's going on. I was freaked. You know, everybody had those moments, right? I had to go back to my once upon a time moment and stop trying to restart something. And God's telling me to rebuild it. Whatever you did before, you can do it again. Remember what that was that you did before, that you were happy to do before? You were happy if there were 15 people in a small group you could speak to. Now you're upset because you don't have a thousand people in your church. You're all, you're all bent out of shape about it. You need to have a once upon a time moment. Go back and remind yourself of your calling. This isn't a job. This is a mission on, I'm on. I'm a crusader of something that matters, of something that matters. And so my vision sustains me. The why sustains me, and the what comes after that. Proverbs 29, 18, you know it. No vision, the people perish. I love this verse, though. Psalm 126, 1 and following. It says this. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. So I looked up this word dreamed in the Hebrew, and it means to be healthy. This word dream means to be healthy. It means to be strong. It means to restore your health again. Every time I dream again, I feel better again. So I'm, this is connected to purpose, everybody. Not, I'm not talking about routines yet. So you need to start dreaming again. You, you always start to feel better. Pray, you know, you, your prayer life is better. You're happier. You're enjoying the moment. Like, I'm so, COVID has made, opened my eyes to creation. I know, I know my neighborhood better than any other time in the history. Of, I've been, we've lived in our neighborhood how long, baby? 18 years? 17 years. I didn't, I didn't know my neighbors. I didn't know that pond was around the corner. There. I didn't know those trees turned and looked like that. I know, I, and I'm seeing everything differently. I'm happier. I'm enjoying life because I began to dream again. I began to have conversations with people in my relational connectedness that dream with me and say, we could do it this way, and this is where we could go with this. And I know we used to do it this way, but now we can do it this way. I know God gave you a word, the word was multiplied. It looked like we couldn't multiply, but we can multiply in the middle of this because God gave a strategy because I was dreaming again. I was dreaming again. We can't base it off circumstances. When you do, you feel pain, you feel regret, you feel shame. So here's the second part of that is the routine. You're more, and I, I would say it like this, and this is, I'm big on this, and some of you guys who know me, this is part of my structure part of me, but I, I call it the morning routine, okay? Because all, all that ends well begins well. 
okay? All's well that begins well is a better way to say it. And a lot of us, the most successful people on the planet are morning people. I'm sorry to tell you guys that, but so it's just a fa- it's just a fact. I'm not that sorry about it. If you know me, I'm not that sorry. But but more you're you're you, you know you're you get up. You got to get up again. You got to get your routines back. I don't know what that means, but you know how out of routine we got as soon as COVID hit. We're like we're not shaving anymore. We're doing Zoom calls with our skivvies on and a shirt and all that stuff that was funny for a little while but after a while it's like come on guys we got to put some clothes on we got to get dressed we got to get we got to get back out and face the day we might need to work out you know <laughs> we might need to do some things to get healthy again start making some appointments and and getting after it so your routines are absolutely huge i'd love to talk about that we'll put that in the table talk number three the thing that increases emotional capacity is the decorations or the beautifications of the home or your life. And this is, this is built on trust and self-control. Trust and self-control. So finally, when you're building something uh, that you want, you want to last, you, have to ma- you, you get to make it beautiful. You get to decorate it. And the most beautiful lives are the lives that are trusting God. The most beautiful lives are the lives that are trusting God. Those who are, are, are trying to control what they can't control, they're not doing well. Those who only try to control what they can control, they're doing better. We must understand the difference between a fact of life and a problem and separate those two things. A fact of life is something that you cannot control. A problem is something that you can fix. You can, in fact, fix. And as we differentiate between those, by the way, some things are problems that we're not addressing, and they become chronic, or they become patterns. And so if you see that problem over and over again, uh, that's telling you something that you're ignoring. But, But we need to learn how to trust. Trust is giving up control of what I can't control. Stop. You know, when I drive, my wife will tell you this, I squeeze the wheel so tightly. I squeeze her hand so tightly, sometimes she gets mad at me. And it's from years of deadlifting, and so I pick things up and put things down, and so I get white-knuckled with the steering wheel. And so, but, it, but it's, it's also, my personality is a little bit that way. It's just, I'm, I'm white-knuckling everything. I'm grabbing onto it too tightly. But to have a healthy emotional capacity, to see that increase, to be healthy personally, I've got to give up control of the things I can't control. Dr. Henry Cloud says, if you're, if, you're, if you're anxious about something, worried about something, you're trying to control things or whatever, he says, get, it, get in a room, get a piece of paper and a pen, write all the things down, you know, that take 10 minutes and just write stuff down or worry out loud about those things. Just take 10 minutes. Just start complaining and whining. The other day I was doing that with my wife. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just taking 10 minutes to just basically, you know, get all complaining and go crazy on these people. And, and then, but at 10 minutes, you stop. You got you to get over. Get it, get over. get it over with. Be, be done with it. For me, sometimes I hit a bucket of balls. And I put people's faces on the balls. <laughs> and I hit them for about... 20, 30 minutes, you know, and, and I name them as they fly into the air, you know, and, and it's just something good. And then I just release the things that I can't control. Come on, somebody. And then I'm over. I'm over it. My wife hits a baseball. She's got one of those wraparound, what do you call that thing? It's crazy. It's, it's a baseball that wraps around a basketball hoop. My wife, this is my wife, for real. She does this. She bought this, and she's frustrated. She goes out, and she's, I look out the window. I've got it on film. She's whacking this thing, and it's going back around, and she's whacking it again. She does it for like 10 minutes. She comes back. She's like, hey, honey, and she's feeling great again. So I don't know if this is helping anybody, but it's helping me right now. <laughs> I'll conclude with, with this little thought. You know, you, there's emotions in motions. Emotions 
You can't always control, but motions you can, and your motions will affect your emotions, right? So I was reading, I was reading the serenity prayer again. I just thought I'd read this for you guys. But the, most, the, the happiest, the most secure people trust what they cannot control. They, they, they just they, they let it go. And if you can't take something away from someone, you can't harm them. You can't hurt someone who's, who's, who's dead in Christ. Right? Unoffendable, right? But listen, listen to this in light of what I've been saying so far. Listen to the serenity prayer and tell me this, if this ministers to you again, all right? Because this is, this is how we increase our emotional capacity. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. We usually stop right there. Watch this. Living one day at a time. Enjoying, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is. Not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life. And supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. That, that ministered to me. And so I've been saying the serenity prayer because I'm, uh, in order for me to be emotionally healthy and to have my capacity increase, I, I've got to have increased connectedness. I've got to have that foundation strong. I've got to have that structure right. And I've got to, in order to beautify this part of myself, I've got to learn how to differentiate, you know, between the things I can control and the things I can't. I'll close with this thought, and I want to give you a couple questions. We're not supposed to be comfortable in this life. Because we're because it's not our home. It's not our home. Can I have an amen?